If you grab your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to get there in just a minute, Matthew chapter 16. It's good to be here, man. Last week I was uh, out. Uh, Ryan did a great, great, great job preaching and uh, heard a lot of good compliments on his message. And um, this weekend, uh, well, last week I was in Brazil and uh, doing some mission stuff, uh, speaking, and man, uh, it was like 90, 95 100% humidity, and they, may, they said the custom here is suits and ties. And my body's not made for suits and ties. And so I wore a suit and tie and sweated through, because there's no air conditioning inside the buildings. And so in suits and ties, because in Brazil, they're like, hey, why do you need air conditioning? Why do I need air conditioning? Oh, my So anyhow, good time. And uh, was there for about a week with some other pastor friends of mine, getting to see some of the things that God's doing and, and uh, an invitation there to speak for a few days. And so it's good to be back. Uh, and man, it was cold. Then we flew into Miami. I think I hit Miami earlier this week at like 530 in the morning because it was an all night flight. And it was like 28 degrees in Miami, which is cold for Miami. And so I knew it was going to be cold here. And so luckily I didn't have to go to a cold car. One of the guys from the staff picked me up, and so it was nice and warm. I can deal with the cold as long as I have the warm. How many of you are thankful that the Lord made heated seats? Are you thankful for that? Hmm. Yeah, just like God took Gilligan off that island, amen? He made heated seats. So it's good. You'll get that about 9 o'clock tonight. And, uh, but during this time of the year, as a pastor, I'm going to get to do something that I thoroughly enjoy and don't always get to do. I typically preach in series uh, and in groupings. I think it's, it it's just keeps things kind of more balanced and, and it's a, a better steady diet of God's Word. But during these times of the year, I kind of get to do what I call a standalone message, which means I kind of get to pick a topic, something that's on my heart. And I get a handful of these and throughout the year that I'm able to do. And so several months ago, the Lord really put a message on my heart um, and more of a talk um, and uh, that I knew this would be the time to do it. And so I've been kind of waiting until now. And I journal. Now, I don't journal like some people are just really meticulous in every day with their thoughts and their expressions and their memoirs and all of that. I don't, I'm very erratic in my journaling. And so um, I love, I have a real high threshold of change, and I need to change things up. I, I, routine really drags me down, and so it kind of gets to be a rut for me. And so, uh, but I do journal, and I journal in, in various ways, and I have different color moleskin journals that I carry with me that that's what upon that. So this has been kind of the, this year, this is kind of that leadership. This is kind of what the Lord's really speaking to my heart out of conversations, out of thoughts and prayer times and, and uh, maybe a conference or two that I've gone to. And so I'm going to preach out of my journal tonight, if that makes any sense at all. Typically I'm going to have an iPad and I've got an outline for you and I've got all this and three points in a poem and I'm going to put it in a box and wrap it up real nice. Then I'm just going to talk and you can tell, man, I've scribbled my notes and I don't know if I can read it. So if I can't, when that clock goes to 30, we'll be done, okay? Is that cool? But, um, but, but, but the thing that's been, that, that I want to talk to you about tonight and this weekend is this thing called the local church. You know, last week when I'm in Brazil, the thing that got me on a plane to be away from my family for several days to do what I did wasn't because I was staying in a high-end hotel and at some resort on some beach somewhere, because that was not the case. It was I believe that Jesus Christ died for the sins of humanity. 
And I believe his bride, which is the church of Jesus Christ, is the hope of the world. The thing that gets me here tonight through the rain and the thing that gets me here through, the, through this nasty weather is it's not because I've got a job to do. It's because this hope of the world, the local church. This thing that excites me and that just pulsates through my veins is, is this thing called the local church. And I began to think, why is it that I love church? I mean, what is it about church? that I like? Because I don't always like Christians, right? Anybody else? Don't point, just raise your hand, right? I, I mean, I don't always like Christians. I don't know, Christians have not always treated me nice and right, and sometimes ungodly friends have been kinder to me than some brothers or sisters in the Lord. But I love the church. And the reason why I have such a passion for the church, it's not because, honestly, it's not because I'm a pastor. I think my love for the church, out of that comes that calling but it's more than that. It's the fact that that's what the Bible says that Jesus loves, is the local church. And I think that somewhere along the way, when I fell in love with Jesus, I fell in love with what he loves, and that's his bride, the church. The Bible says that the church is likened unto Jesus being the groom and we the church being the bride's groom. And right now, during this period of separation, Jesus being ascended to the right hand of the Father according to scripture, and we being here on this earth will one day be united that the groom and the bridegroom, Jesus and the church will be united and we will together forever be together in heaven and in eternity. But right now we're separated, almost like a period of betrothal or a period of engagement. And so there's this, there's this anticipation, there's this, this longing to want to be with, there's this desire for him and his desire is mutually for us. And there's this passion that happens, this, this, this thing that, that, that happens. And, 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 and I think the reason why I love the church and my passion for the church comes because of my passion for him. And many times I find this isn't always the case with Christians or Christ followers. And I wonder sometimes, it's the question, I, I wrote it in my notes, how can we or how can you love Jesus and not love what he loves? How can you and I love the King of kings and the Lord of lords? How can we love Jesus Christ but yet not love what he loves? How can we love him and not love who he loves? The Bible says it like this. How can you love God in heaven whom you haven't? How can you love God in heaven whom you haven't seen if you can't love your brother whom you have seen? Jesus Christ loves the church. It's his bride. It's, his, it's, it's the thing that he longs for. And the Bible first mentions the church in this scripture in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And it says it like this. This is the NIV. He's speaking to Peter and he says, On this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome or prevail against it. I will, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, or of hell, will not overcome or prevail against it. The word church is only used 114 times in Scripture. And, and, and what's interesting about this passage, just from a theological perspective or a hermeneutical perspective, which is an interpretation or biblical study of Scripture, is the fact that it's what's called, what theologians call the law of first mention, which is this. Whenever there's a doctrine or a theological construct or thought or idea in Scripture that's first mentioned, there's typically the, the key, the, the foundation, the, 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 the definition of what that is and how that, that thing functions, how it's supposed to function in our life. 
One theologian talks about the law first mentioned, and here's how he described it. It's the first time the word is mentioned in the Bible, a phrase, a word, or a description, that the Bible will give that word is the most complete and accurate meaning, not only to serve as the key in understanding the biblical concept, but also as a foundation for the fuller development. This passage of Scripture, this verse in Scripture, this is the law first mentioned. This is the first time that the church is mentioned. And in this passage comes basically the keys of how the church works and what the church is and how Christ views it. He says, upon this rock, I will build. And, 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 and again, when the, the idea behind this is that upon this revelation, upon this concept, he's speaking, Jesus is speaking to Peter here, and he says, look, you just ask him who he is. Not who Peter is, but who Jesus is. And, 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 he, and, and Peter has a full understanding of who Jesus is because he's been walking with him. Peter's going to lead the first century church when Jesus is ascended to the right hand of the Father. And Jesus is having this conversation with Peter. And when he says, upon this rock, he's speaking upon this revelation, upon this concept, upon this first mentioning of this new word, I'm going to do exactly what I say I'm going to do. And he begins to tell Peter that he's going to build the church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, the first thing that I find about this, it's the possessiveness of how he looks at the church. The word, how I will build my church. The, the, the church is a passion of Jesus Christ. It's this loving relationship. It's this passionate thing. It's not a church. It's not some church. It's not the church. It's not life church. It's not first church. It's not last church. It's his church. And it's what he cares about. It's what he cherishes. And what's interesting to me as I read that is that, is that it's, 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 um, it's not mine. And it's not yours. And it's not a denomination's. And it's not somebody's idea. And it's not some man's construct. It's his church. And as a pastor, as I lead, one of the things when I read passages like this that convict me and that really confront me with Scripture is to understand I have a responsibility not to you, but to him because it's his, not yours. That's why I may serve you in his name, but I don't follow you. I follow him. I don't listen to you. I listen to him. I don't. I'm submitted, but at the same time, I understand I will stand and give an account for this message and sermon and every sermon that I preach of how I treated you and how I led you and how I live my life in front of young Isaac Steele. It's a big responsibility because it's not my church. I've been to church all my life. I mean, I'm telling you, I know church. I know church. And, and I, I've been in church for generation after generation after generation, but it's not mine. I don't own it. I mean, a church that I served in, I remember there was a hallway, and there were the pictures of every, there were five pastors that had pastored that church. The current pastor and four previous pastors. And the entire history of the church, church was 100 plus years old. And, uh, there were the pictures of the pastor and his wife. You know, he was sitting in one and she was standing on you know, right and, and they were together and it was just black and white and then it went to color and that kind of a deal. And it was their name and how long they served that church. And I realized one day on my way into the sanctuary, walking down this, this hallway, that ultimately that's pretty much what you get. 
One day, should the Lord tarry us coming, there'll be a picture of me sitting in some pleather chair and Tammy doing like this, and on some hallway, and some kid going, who is that? Another person going, I don't know, uh, says he was here from this time to this time. Because it's not mine. And, and it's not yours. It's a stewardship. Christ meant when people go, well, it's mine and it's this. No, no, we're, we're all together, but it's not ours. It's his. It's his bride. It's his wife. It's, it's his. And thank God for that. Because there are many days where I go, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to say. And, it's, and it goes back to this. You know, Aaron, I'll build my church. I'll bring the increase. I'll take care of it. If you will just be my under shepherd. See, I'm just doing what he tells me to do. And as long as I do that, I'm okay. And as long as we follow him, we're okay. You don't need to worry about lining up with a man. As long as we follow him, we're okay. And he says, he says, secondly, that he will build his church. It's not going to happen on accident. It's not going to happen on just happenstance. It's not going to happen. Because people go, well, why does the church grow? Because it's built. And if a church isn't built, it doesn't grow. If a church isn't built, it flounders. If a church isn't built, it dissipates. A church has to be built. It's built on commitment. It's built on faithfulness. It's built on sacrifice. It, for Jesus Christ to shed his blood, to be a ransom for many, was a sacrifice of his life. For what? For the church, for the hope of the world. For you and I to sit here where we sit tonight, there are people that have sacrificially given to get us to this point. There will be people like yourself that will sacrificially give to get us to the next point. And when I was in Brazil, I'm sitting there in churches and, and I'm preaching to people that, that I didn't lead to Christ and the buildings that I didn't build, but I had the opportunity to stand behind the pulpit and preach God's word. Why? Because people were committed to his church. People were faithful to his church. People sacrificially gave to his church and it was built. And if we're built what Jesus is building, then we're going to be building the church. We're not building some cause. Listen to me. I don't mean to be mean, but as a pastor, I, I think parachurch ministries are great. And we partner with some ministries. Last, uh, two weekends ago, you generously, so generously gave over $30,000 to Convoy of Hope for one day to feed the world. And that money has gone out for people who are hurting, who are needy, the poor, the downtrodden, around the corner, around the world. That's phenomenal. But Convoy of Hope is not the hope of the world. You're the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. There's a lot of great organizations that do a lot of great work, humanitarian and otherwise, and social and otherwise on the face of the planet. But let me tell you, at the end of the day, it's the church of Jesus Christ that's the hope of the world. He didn't say, upon this rock, I will build this organization. I'll build this business. I'll build this parachurch ministry. He said, upon this rock, I will build the church, my church. And so if we're going to be building what Jesus is building, we're not building an auxiliary ministry. We're building the church. We're building that. And, and, and I, I would say, you know, to build the church is intentional. It's life-giving. It's sacrificial. Just like building anything. If you're building a family, you're building your marriage, you're building a business, you're building a relationship, it takes sacrifice. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes something. It's built. And I think sometimes we think that if we just like, like the angels just flutter in this room, like God lives here. God doesn't live in the buildings made by the hands of men. He, re he resides in the hearts and lives of men and women. That's what the Bible says. 
Revelation chapter 3, Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock and I just want to come in and have a relationship with you. I think sometimes we think it just kind of happens. It's just kind of like lucky charms or magically delicious. It just kind of magically all comes together like it just happens. No, it's built. Well, how is it built? First of all, it's built by commitment. And I believe this is true. Anything you're going to build, it's a commitment that makes a love last, not the love that makes a commitment last. It's a commitment that makes a love last, not the love that makes a commitment last. Because you're going to wake up one day in any committed relationship, whether it's with the church or with your spouse or with someone, and you've lost that love and feeling. It's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Top Gun, come on, talk to me. I'm telling you, you've lost it. Because somebody's offended you and somebody's made you mad and the pastor looked, looked at you and walked right past you and he didn't say anything and he's not the same guy up here that he is out there and there's something going wrong with this and what about that and I don't know if I like this or if I like that or I don't know if I like the smoke or I don't know if I like the lights or the music's too loud or I think Eva needs to sing different or Randall, what's up with him and I don't know what's going on and, and I, my kids, I mean, how many flat screen TVs are you gonna put in one building at the same time and what's the electrical bill around here and I'm just... something and it's going to be a decision that you're going to make are you going to be committed or are you going to walk are you just going to ride the wave of emotional feeling because feelings come and go i can tell you in may june july august september and the first part of october i really feel god in wisconsin But somewhere in the middle of that snow, snowy night, I just think to myself, self, is there some island in the South Pacific that needs Jesus, you know? <laughs> is there some palm tree needing saved? So, I mean, I mean I, it's commitment. And I would tell you, decide where you're going to go to church. If you're kicking tires on church, Really investigate it, but make a decision. But once you make a decision, that's your church. And stick with it. And don't do this whole thing, well, I don't feel I'm not being fed. The only thing that needs to be fed is a baby. I'm telling you, please, this works in any, anything at all. You, you know, you, you grow, you grow, you grow, and then you get to a certain age where you quit growing or you should stop growing and get away from the buffet and, and quit growing, right? And then you reproduce. That's what, spiritual, that's what physical maturation is all about. The same way is spiritually true. You mature and you mature and you mature and you go through spiritual adolescence and all of a sudden you get to an age of maturity that you begin to reproduce what God's done in your life and someone else's life. But I know a lot of people that they just want to keep growing and growing and growing. And that's just like if somebody like started growing and they never stopped, something would be wrong. It's freakish. And there are people that sit in these churches and it's freakish because they just want to keep growing and growing and growing. And listen, I, I'm here to serve up the bread of life hot and fresh, to serve the seeker and build the believer. But the greatest thing you can do is roll up your sleeves, find a local church that you identify with the DNA, the doctrine and the design of that church and work until he comes and be committed. Well, how, am I, how, how do I need to be committed? Well, get involved in the life of the church. Get involved in a life group. Well, but I've been hurt. Oh, I've been hurt in church, Pastor. Can I just tell you two things? Join the club. 
I mean, I'm filtering right now. Just give me a second. Because there's some stories I could tell you. And secondly, go to Lowe's and get a ladder and get over it. Because if you're going to be around other people, people are funky. Have you figured that out yet? Church is funky. You got all kinds of people up in here doing all kinds of stuff. Some people like this, some people like this, some people like this. All during worship. Curtis says, amen. I could take up that. I could give announcements. And Curtis would say, amen. I mean, that's what he's going to do every time. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God, brother. I mean, let's, you know, mission that's roll right. Praise God. Let's say amen. amen I mean, just, why we're just going? And then there's some people never going to say anything. It's just us. We're all weird. We all should come with this tag that says, I'm irregular. I'm, there's something jacked up with me. <laughs> right? Like, we should all be at the, you know, at the discount. I mean, it's just us. It's just but decide to get involved in lives of people. Why? Because it's a church. It's what Jesus loves. He loves you. He loves me. He loves the world. That's what he loves. Find a ministry. Find a place to get plugged in. And it may be hard, but just keep going till you find something. Why? Because this is the church. Get committed. Find a place. Get yourself developed and grow. And decide that, that if this is where you're going to go, then give. Give, be a part, give. And don't focus on how much you're giving, just focus on giving. And then as you begin to give, then begin to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And he will. Got an email this past week. A guy who said, man, right before one day to feed the world offering, I lost my job. And I'm at church. And I'm thinking, should I give? Should I not give? What should I give? And I knew I was supposed to give. And the Lord spoke to my heart in an amount of money. He said, I'm not the most spiritual person. But I knew. And, and that's all of us. We know. And he said, so I wrote the check knowing that I don't have a job. And he said, that week, the very next week, this was two weeks ago, the very next week, a check came in the mail almost to the exact amount of what I had given to one day to feed the world. And I got a phone call that I was going to get to go back and I was getting a second job somewhere over here and it was going to be more money than what I was making in the first job. God will get it to you if he can get it through you. It's all about commitment. Why? Because this is what Jesus said he was going to build. He's going to build the church. He's going to build us. He's going to do this. And if we're committed and if we're faithful and if we'll sacrifice and we'll go and we'll, we'll do, he'll show up and he'll do that. And I'm telling you, every time I think about that, it motivates me to go, man, I got to push a little harder. I, I, got, I got to give a little bit more. I've got to be focused a little bit more. I've got to steward my, my time a little bit more. I've got, I've got to make sure that, that, that I'm staying on my face before God just a little bit more, that I've got to be able to make sure that I, I walk to that platform and deliver a message that's hot and fresh and not old and stale, that it's fresh and not crusty, and that I'm constantly, constantly, constantly pushing you to give and to go of your time and your talent and your treasure and getting you not to become a bunch of navel-gazing, kumbaya, save the Lord, the world can go to hell, my Lord, kumbaya, I don't care about anybody else but myself, my Lord, kumbaya, Christians. Because I grew up in church like that. And I'm telling you, it's boring. And people check out on church like that. But when there's a church where people are being saved and lives are being transformed and people are sacrificially giving for the work of God and God shows up that week and their faith is being built and they're taking kingdom risk and they're investing kingdom capital to see kingdom ventures happen, all of a sudden, man, the RPMs go up, the blood pressure goes up, the, the excitement goes up, that I want to be a part of that goes up. Why? Because you're a part of what Jesus is building. And understand this. He's not building every church. He's building his church.
Don't think just because the letters C-H-U-R-C-H are on the front is where he's at. He's building his church. Not my kingdom, his kingdom. Not my kingdom, his kingdom. Not my wants and my wishes, his will. Not you, his. Not, well, what I think, no, his. And the last thing he says is that this church that he loves that is his, that he is building. And I know I've camped out on that building part, but it's just so stinking cool to me that I am working, not as a pastor, but as an individual, and building what he's building. He said that this thing called the church, this organism called the church, that the gates of hell would not prevail, would not overcome it. See, gates are, are, are a sign of offense, excuse me, a sign of defense. They're a sign of, it's like a lock on your door. I don't want what's on the outside coming to the inside. And what he says is that the the defensiveness of hell will not overcome. Why? Because we will be, as a church of Jesus Christ, so offensive, so prevailing, so thriving, so out there on the edge and the ledge of what God wants to do that hell itself will not be able to stop it. And you, you can go, well, I just don't know, brother, if I've seen that. That's fine. When you elevate your experience over God's word, you're in deep weeds, theologically speaking, and you're with the fruits and the flakes and the nuts. I'm just telling you what his word says. His word says that the gates of hell will not prevail against this prevailing church, that the church of Jesus Christ will stand. She will endure. She will prevail. She will move forward. I'm telling you, when everything else settles, when all the dust settles and the storms are gone and the winds and waves are gone and the sun comes up tomorrow, she will be standing and she will be prevailing and she will move forward. Why? Because he is building his church I hate reading some Christian literature today that talks about well the church is dead the church is dying I know some dead dry churches but I read Christian literature and history and they've been dying for a long time there's been a lot of dead churches for a long time Oh, my stinking goodness. The church is moving forward at a rapid pace. There are more megachurches in this country and growing faster than we've ever grown before. There are more people being saved than ever being saved on the face of the planet before. The 1040 window is being more reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ than ever been reached before. There are more believers that are coming to faith in Jesus Christ around the world than have ever come to Jesus Christ before. I'm telling you, missions is beginning to take a turn where it's not just something that's in need. It's something that's Coming self-sufficient financially, it's hitting that tipping point so that it's now provide it's now it's now changing so that all the money and all the energy that's been invested, it's been able to take that now and reproduce that so that it's able to propagate itself and it doesn't need that help in those ways the, the, the way that it did 40, 50 years ago. This church of Jesus Christ is fruitful and growing. And when I think about life church, I'm more excited today. I'm telling you, I just look back. I've been running budget numbers with Gary and with the, with, with the executive team this week and looking at everything. And I mean, 20, 2010, that's been the biggest year we've ever had. I mean, in the middle of a, of a recession, it's been the biggest year we've ever had. 
the most money that's gone to missions, the most number of people. We'll be between a quarter million and $300,000 cash going to missions. There'll be over $2 million that have been given to ministry through this local church this year. And, 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 and the, the number of people that are getting saved and the ministries that are growing, there's 116, 117 people that are going to be going on mission trips just this year. There's a group of guys, I couldn't get them to, 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 to shut up in the back room. They were just talking about, well, I don't know, the mission trip, and this is awesome, and God, shut up, and da, da, da. It was like, hey, I've been preaching about this, haven't I? And, and, and I mean, just like, wow, and it's exciting, and it's awesome, and it's moving, and it's motivating, it's prevailing, it's thriving, it's growing, and I look at it, and then I sit around, and I began to look, and I go, you know, I, I, I mean, there's still some needs. Don't misunderstand me, because I mean, there, it's, it's a big deal, and, and things are happening, but, but, but I look at 2011, and I'm thinking, man, we're getting ready. I mean, my whole week this week, I, I've, I've got uh, meetings this week talking about the future of the church and the architectural buildings, so we can get this thing designed and ready to go, so that when Prime is paid off in 20. 11, do you realize? No, 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 seriously, don't clap, just give. Yeah, really. I believe that. And people say, well, I just don't know if I believe that, bless God. Well, you just sit over there with your big bad self and a bag of Funyuns and a Diet Coke and watch it happen. And it's not happening because some big fat cat's gonna write a check. It's happening because the people of God are going to give of their time and their talent and their treasure and they're gonna sacrifice and they're gonna give and they're gonna be committed and he will take what we give and he will use it for his glory and he will build his church and it will be a thriving and prevailing church. I think about this, this, this new campus. Jeremy and Laura Chapman just came on our team and Faith Believing. If you want to pray for something, begin to pray because as we're going to go to, the, to, to, to kind of what we call in uh, Life Church West along that 94 corridor. If you want to know where I'd like to be exactly, Steinhoffels on 94. Yeah, that would be awesome. And if that my second location, <laughs> our second choice would be Capital on 164, the Walmart complex. And you may think, you think big. I have to. I am big. I have to think big. That's just the way it is. That's the way he thinks. And, 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 and the last time I checked, those businesses are both doing well. So anywhere along that corridor will work. But we need you to pray. Why? Because again, do you actually think that the enemy of your soul and my soul wants us to move forward and advance the kingdom? No way. But I got news for you. He'll build it. Love what Zechariah says in the Old Testament. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus said, if you have but faith the size of a mustard seed, and it got news for you, every man is given a measure of faith. You can say to that mountain, be cast into the sea, and it shall happen. I don't know where, but I can tell you, April 1, we'll be having a church along the 94 corridor in the western suburbs of Milwaukee. Why? Because he is going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And as we look at the numbers and we're looking at what's happening on this campus and we're planning for a fourth weekend service and trying to figure out, do we do it early Sunday morning? Do we do it Sunday afternoon? Do we do it Sunday night? Do we do a second service on Saturday night? What do we do? I don't know. Has that helped you at all? Make you feel good? Because I'm telling you, I am, I am more lost like a ball in high weeds than anybody in the room. But he will build this church, his church, life church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It was eight years ago this weekend that I preached my first message as a senior pastor at Life Church. And I sat back, and Tammy and I talked about it this weekend, and I thought, how awesome God is. 
Little becomes much when God's in it. When I think of me being in Milwaukee, being at Life Church in Germantown, I think God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. You can take that however you want to take it. But I'm saying it the way you're thinking it. Because I think God delights in saying, I choose to do something there. I choose to build my church there. I choose to take this piece of property that the business community slated for retail business and I'm going to put my church there. And it will thrive and it will survive and it will grow and it will develop and the 12 acres won't be able to contain it because I will take that church and I will go over here and I will do it here and I will go over here and I'll do it here and I'll go over here and I'll do it here and I'll go to Middleton and I'll do it there and I'll go to the western suburbs of the eastern suburbs of Minneapolis and Wisconsin and I'll do it there because I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And eight years ago, I remember standing behind a wooden pulpit with 100 people in a 2,000 square foot room with, a, with folding chairs and had faith that, God, you've called me to do something great. And I don't know how it's going to happen here. I don't know what's going to happen here. But I know that you've called me. That's all I know. And I fast forward eight years later, and I see what God's done. And I just dream and go, man, I am more excited about the future today than I was eight years ago. Because I look at you, and I go, you're the hope of the world. There was just a hundred of us eight years ago. There's almost a thousand of us right now. We had $120,000 income eight years ago. There's $2 million to steward now. We gave $3,000 to missions eight years ago. We'll give $300,000 eight years later. And I just think, man. And some people think, that's crazy. Why is it crazy? You know what? Every time I see your prodigal sons and daughters and your grandkids walk through the doors and they light up at Life Kids and they love going to church, I go, we did our job. The gates of hell will not prevail. Every time I see families that are coming and going, we've been looking for this. We've been looking for this. Our kids hate church, but they love coming here and we don't get it. We just, we're, we're so tired of trying to fight, and, but we love and we found, and this is awesome, the gates of hell will not prevail and it will th- thrive and it will survive and it will move forward. And I just see that over and over and over. Here's the stories over and over and over and I've got to land the plane. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe we've only scratched the surface. And if you will stay committed, not to me, pray for me. That's all I ask. But stay committed to him. Stay committed and stay in love with his church and love what he loves. And let him work through you. And he will. I'm telling you, eternity itself is the only thing that will reveal what God will do through you and through this local body. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for your word.